0: Has anyone been following this story of what's been happening in European football?
1: Open wide for some soccer!
0: Six teams from the Premier League, uh, three teams from Spain, two teams from Italy are gonna form their own European Super League.
2: I mean, I'm a Manchester United fan and have been
3: for 40 years of my life, but I'm disgusted, absolutely disgusted. I'm disgusted with Manchester United and Liverpool most. I mean, Liverpool, they pretend you'll never walk alone, the people's club, the fans' club. Manchester United, a hundred years, born out of workers around here, and they're breaking away into a league without competition that they can't be relegated
1: from. It's an absolute disgrace. I think it comes down to money, greed. And it doesn't sound good. Let's hope stop in its tracks because it's, I think it, it is just pure greed. We all know that clubs, Is an investment. It's a business at the end of the day. But what happens to the fans?
4: That was a selection of football experts uh, giving their thoughts on the monumental news that dropped on Sunday. Uh, Twelve clubs, twelve of the biggest clubs in Europe, uh, announced that they were breaking away from their leagues, from UEFA, and forming their own Super League, which is what they call it. It has been rumored for a long time, but they decided to announce it now, of all times, for some reason. And, you know, it kind of took the world by storm. And as a soccer podcast, uh, this is Soccer Group Chat, and we, we decided to get all the boys together. We called in the reinforcements, uh, called in the cavalry. The troops are here uh, to share our thoughts on this new breakaway league. Uh, just so everyone knows, the caveat that news is consistently breaking uh, as we were preparing to record this episode, both Chelsea and Man City announced that they were actually pulling out of this project. So we're going to kind of take a bird's eye view of the whole thing. And since we all have opinions, um, we're going to share them and we're going to see if we can come to a consensus about what exactly is happening. Uh, so we have we have uh, myself, Nick, Hope, and Adrian, as usual. Uh, Nick Gill is here from his uh his drug front playland. <laughs> Onland is here uh from his house. And as a treat, uh Vukashin uh is also here. And since this is his first time on the show, we're gonna start with him. Uh Vuk, welcome to Soccer Group Chat. And what are your thoughts about this whole Super League endeavor? Uh
5: thanks. It's a pleasure to be here. And uh uh I feeling just depressed pretty much. Um, I think the super league going ahead was bad. And the only thing worse than that is what's ended up happening, which is we go back to normal because the normal is not good. Yeah. That's sort of my like headline view
3: of it, I guess.
4: Nick Gill over to you.
3: Oh uh, yeah. The, uh, yeah. Not a great couple of days for the, uh, sport of football. You know, the, uh, the good thing is, uh, It's exposed the uh, American owners now from all the three English clubs. So let's hope uh, swift action is taken. And um, yeah, at least justice is being served now with Ed Woodward leaving, the Juventus president leaving too. So, uh, but we got to wait for live updates pretty much to see more people leaving. Hopefully uh, John Henry, the Liverpool owner, hopefully he leaves too or we force him out. FSG out.
0: I'm with Vuk on this matter. Like, like it's a it's like a step toward everything that you expected, especially considering how the Premier League started. Um, why wouldn't they want to try and break away and and you know get as much more revenue as they can just off the backs of their own names? Uh, but the fact that it seems to have died down and nothing's going to come of it, you know, barring some you know punishments that might come from the domestic leagues, we're just back to normal, which is which is just going to reinforce the opportunity to do it again in the future. Um, depending on depending on what they how they might punish these teams. So I don't know, it's it was never gonna happen. We were expecting it to them to try. Um, but here we are in the same place and something like this is gonna happen again in the future.
4: Conlin, your thoughts?
2: Yeah, obviously wasn't a fan of it, especially like Nick said, just the, the American owners definitely seem to be the ones pushing for it along with uh, Real Madrid specifically. But I think right now I'm just feeling a bit of relief that it seems to be collapsing. And maybe I'm 50-50 on whether good stuff can come out of this, whether we'll actually, like, you know, everyone's talking about taking a look at the game as it is right now and the financials and trying to get to somewhere more fair or if it'll just, you know, kind of reinforce the divide between the clubs. I don't have an answer for what that's going to be. I, I'm not 100% sure it's going to be right back to normal, but I think it will uh, Yeah, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to get these owners out, and it's going to be tough to stop something like this from happening again. But also, just lastly, I'm, I'm shocked at how quickly this has disintegrated and how like poorly managed this seems to be for all these like some of the some of these rich richest donors in the world just really either misjudged or I don't know what they were doing. Like it just didn't, they didn't seem prepared for the backlash.
4: The Man U fan, the Liverpool fan and the Chelsea fan among us, uh, three teams that are still at this moment in the Super League. Actually, wait, never mind. I take that back. Chelsea is not. Uh, The Man U fan, the Liverpool fan and the Chelsea fan among us uh, all hate it. Let's go over to the Newcastle fans uh, for their thoughts. Uh, Adrian, why don't we start with you? And then we'll end with Richard because he's, uh, he got here last.
6: Sure. I'm not entirely convinced that it, it won't go ahead Uh, just because I I wouldn't rule anything out there. The kind of the, the gall that they, they tried to go ahead with this is so unbelievable that I, I wouldn't count it out. If you take the angle that, you know, maybe they think they can do it without the premier league. I don't think they can, but you know, maybe they'll try and set something up in opposition to the premier league and try and siphon off some of theirs. I don't think that's very likely.
7: I don't know, who, who was it there? Connie said like, uh, he's shocked at how incompetent they were. But I mean, <laughs> surely if you're a Man U fan, you shouldn't be shocked by that at all based on how they've run Manchester United. Um, but I mean, also what, surprise, surprise, like very rich people are basically just fucking lucky overall. Uh, not shocked by that either. I don't know, I'm, I'm with Vuk, but probably more optimistic. Like, this didn't come from nowhere. It's like a long evolution of the sport becoming increasingly, you know, a commodity and increasingly financialized. I don't think that this the Super League being dead in the water, which it is, and which I said it would be from the beginning, is going to stop that trend. But hopefully it's, you know, a warning shot uh, that all these measures that people have been asking to be put in place for years, which would have prevented this mess, are actually going to be taken seriously. And, you know, you can see that based on FIFA's reaction, based on fucking Bojo, his reaction. I mean, you know you fucked up when Boris Johnson and Labour are both opposed to you, and fucking Amazon, you know, and <laughs> FIFA and UEFA, all like the traditional bad guys, you know, are against you, uh, along with everybody else. Like, how evil do you have to be to get that level of consensus? It's pretty... pretty. Uh, groundbreaking, really. I don't know, Vuk, what do you think? Uh, surely this is this is uh, a textbook case of one of Marxist critiques of capitalism, that uh, capital uh, always tends to lead to monopoly, right?
5: Absolutely. And this is also, I think, a, a huge missed opportunity, because now these clubs are going to Be in their leagues still they're still going to be there in the system to oppose all of the reforms that people are talking about i wish i really wish that they'd all been just kicked out immediately like yesterday and then yeah let this fall apart great and then they can be out there in limbo and and then some some steps could maybe be taken but now the this you know like in England the six most powerful clubs are still going to be there like do you, like I don't see them being okay with a bunch of reforms designed to dismantle their power. Right,
4: and one of the crazy things to come out of this is that you know especially in England uh, with the pyramid and you know the world football pyramid right so there's so much focus placed on the domestic leagues and we were already kind of seeing how the domestic leagues were kind of getting a bit stretched in terms of the top clubs. Uh, and the middle clubs and the bottom clubs, just the financial gulf that was already separating them. And then this would make it even the gulf even wider. And it's at the point now where these clubs, you know, think that they're better than the rest of them and that they're on a higher level. And they think that just playing games amongst themselves and their elitist group would attract fans, which I feel like we all know is, is not really true. Uh, But I was just wondering what you guys what your guys' thoughts were on what's going to happen with the domestic leagues and how this would affect that and the fallout of this, it, it whether it will go ahead or not. Uh, so Adrian, what do you think about that? So consequences for the domestic league. I mean, I think,
6: I think Richard and, and Vuk pretty much just covered it. Like the, the top six coming back to a domestic league is essentially just, inviting them to come in and obstruct any reforms. They've already tried to do these things with like Project Big Picture where they were trying to take nine teams in the Premier League and give them the majority of the voting power and letting them be the decision makers on fairly arbitrary terms. It's very frustrating when you see Spurs in particular uh, as a part of this group or, or Chelsea as well, because you know to an extent they're only in this group as accidents of history. They happen to come to the, the most successful periods in their history during the Premier League and because of the Premier League. Uh, so a- as they were saying, they're, they're just going to continue trying to consolidate power behind the scenes. You know, we've, we've seen them do it out in the open because of gross incompetence and the opportunistic reaction to the pandemic. Um, and, and I think the result is them looking for something that is antithetical to the reason we watch. They want to create a stable financial environment in a place that thrives when it is the most unpredictable and the most competitive. So they want to push through things that are antithetical to the purposes of of the sport, of the league, and ultimately weaken what they think as exclusively a product. So hopefully there'll be a more animated resistance to them. But, but I mean, now they've just got all the resources to push through more and more obstruction and to hoard resources, resources further.
7: If I can invoke another, uh, another um, comparison that might resonate with Vuk, you know, cause you touched on the pandemic there, Adrian, like, do you feel the caution that there's some, Uh, analogy here with with uh Naomi Klein's um shock doctrine right where there's a crisis in the system and then which is caused ultimately by the system itself right these teams are are many cases over leverage right that they were just waiting for a small sort of blip to make them more unstable that crisis has occurred and now the conditions which contributed to the crisis are being further uh you know uh pursued by taking advantage of the crisis for you know further uh like financial gain essentially from you know the the 1% of the football world basically
5: yeah absolutely i think i think you're spot on they're 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 using the the moment of the pandemic to to push through uh essentially a, a more neoliberal vision of the game um and it's it's telling too that this is happening at a time when there aren't any fans in the stadiums to voice their displeasure, right? Very very kind of convenient uh, atmosphere to do it in. So so yeah, it's definitely like the perfect moment for them to try and to
7: try and do this. Cowards! They don't even want to face the fans, like Mike Ashley, just because the fans chanted him about how fat he is. <laughs> Just hide and some minor death threats to his children, and now he won't show up to a game.
5: The the coward, the hypocrisy is also what's what's really getting to me. Like, I've I've lost all respect for Jurgen Klopp. I used to love the guy,
3: but oh, easy there, mate. Let's not go too crazy.
5: He's a hack. He he uh, <laughs> has no principles. He just knows how to talk a good game. But, you know, when it comes to actually, um, you know,
3: living his ideas, he's, he he doesn't (laughs) believe so. He's an employee, though, of Liverpool. He can't just, he can't just run his mouth and talk about the owner and saying, oh, the owner, if if he does that, he's going to get fired. It's like any, any company. And he could have also resigned. If he resigned, that would have been devastating. It wouldn't have benefited the owner. It would have benefited the fans, and we would have been in a crisis if, uh, if he left. What would we have done without Klopp? Klopp's exactly. our guy. Exactly. We need him. He's the grip exactly. that holds the fans and this cheap owner, this greedy owner. We don't hear about John Henry. No one even knows who the hell he is, half these Liverpool fans, because Klopp's, Klopp's, Jurgen Klopp's held it down for two, three years. John W. Henry is, is like Stan Kroenke without, uh, without Jurgen Klopp the Arsenal the Arsenal owner that's how he could be like that but the thing is uh Klopp's work wonders with his limited budget and uh yeah I you gotta give um it's hard for Jürgen to speak up about this Guardiola can't say anything either because they're employees right so it's it's a little tricky I I
5: I don't think it's it's uh hard for them to do it I think it's just that there's a price to be paid right
7: like and it's it's an affordable price for them too, right? Like they're yeah, fucking like, millionaires. It's not like they're never going to work again. Jurgen Klopp could get a job anywhere in the world tomorrow if he resigned minutes. out of principle.
5: In five minutes. He resigns out of principle. He's got another job in five minutes.
7: It's like
3: yeah, What happens in uh, Liverpool?
7: <laughs> what they're fucked. The which, which is why it would be powerful, right? He's in such a good position to actually foment some sort of change because there's no very little cost to him to do it, but a high cost to the club.
2: Can you also say he's abandoning the players in some way if he does that? Like, just to sort of, it's not an easy decision. I like, I, I kind of think we're being a little bit too hard on maybe the players and managers that haven't come out fully on it. Because it's, it's like, I agree, they're employees. It's like, what are you gonna do?
0: I, I just want to leave you on that thought because I want to jump on that uh, that question in a second, Conlan. I also just want to welcome uh, our boy Siri Adian and all the way from Albania. Uh, the thickness as we call him And also the beardness based on his new photo Welcome to say, the show Jesus. again
1: <laughs> I don't know where the thickness came from I, I think it's like a, a, an ongoing this thing With like me and Dave thick. just Talking about how many shoes um, Adi, what do you mean to, you don't know it? You're thick <laughs> I, I, think, I guess fair enough um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't, <laughs> um, can't deny it I can't deny it I can't deny it, you got a booty <laughs> Quarantine made it. Made it, made it uh, Ooh.
6: Okay. I think um, we've, I think we've maybe yeah. welcomed daddy a bit too much. So, so <laughs> yeah. Let's, um, let's or, let hope they jump in with his question or
0: in his, yeah, no, or, works. you know, maybe not enough because obviously the thickness is too much to resist uh, <laughs> when it comes to talking about it, at least in this group, apparently. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I actually want to touch on uh, Nick and Conlon's thoughts on like, you know, yeah, Jurgen Klopp is, is just an employee. The players are just employees and while you know, you can you can step down and stand by your principles. It's it's a lot easier to stay up and stand by your salary. Um, so maybe I'll I'll start this with Conlon. Colin, do you think it was unfair for FIFA and UEFA to threaten the clubs by threatening the players and their viability to compete in the various FIFA competitions based on a decision that they didn't make, or they didn't vote on?
2: I mean, I, I think it's unfair on the players but i don't think it was unfair to threaten that to the clubs i i think unfortunately that's basically what had to be done but that doesn't make it that doesn't make it any easier on these players and managers who weren't told about any of this until it's happened like united was playing a game against burnley apparently solskjaer found out about it right before the game so it's like they were not involved in the process they had no idea what's happening they were blindsided Obviously internally unhappy, but yeah, I don't, I don't think FIFA or UEFA were out of line threatening that because unfortunately, like if a club goes into administration, the players suffer and, but if a club tries to do something like this, the players are going to suffer. It's not fair on the players or the manager, but I, uh, yeah, I think they made the right call, but I would feel bad for any player that missed out on the tournaments.
1: Addy, what do you think? Um, I, I agree. I think, I think it made sense on a certain level. Uh, however, if I'm thinking as a fan, uh, and if it did go through and, and players were banned from any international, assuming like we'll just take international level as an example, um, that would hamper any form of progression for if, for example, if you're a fan of England, Harry Kane won't play a lot of times the players won't play that would hamper England's um availability to, to do something. We all know he's a pivotal striker. That sort of thing. So as a fan, I'd be upset on a on a more neutral level. Um, I understand why they did it. Um, however, if we're looking at, at, at a certain of like whether I would want my my country or the country I root for to progress, uh, I'd be upset on that level. Um, logically made sense. It's a, it's it's a show it's a show of strength and it's a show of strength. Like bigger teams were showing their strength like all right, cool. Um, I think we discussed this in the, the group chat. We, we can do this because we're, we're the most powerful teams. We kind of control everything. And FIFA and UEFA were like, all right, well, we have our, like, we're have we showing our hand um, by effectively um, showing this. But however, the whole thing was on the backs of uh, players and managers, effectively. So they took all the heat, um, with, especially with the case of, like I guess, Klopp can resign so it's it, it's it's all like a, it's 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 like a backdoor deal that that had teams and players in the forefront. So they're just kind of playing tug of war with like with teams, fans um, between the back end of who knows who knows who was responsible for it or who knows what like what the deals were behind the scenes. If the SL was even like if we're talking conspiracies, even if, if the SL was even just like all right, cool, we can do this. We're not going to. Um, and we was like, all right, we'll screw you guys. You promised us this and that. So it's kind of, it's kind of like, you don't really know what happens behind closed doors, but I think players and coaches were the ones who suffered the most and fans to an extent. Um, so ultimately we don't know if DSL was actually going to happen or, or if it was just like a matter of like, we can do this. This is what we did. All right. We're going to, we're going to, if it was all like staged effectively. I
7: mean, I think the resignations indicate it was not a bluff, right? It was just a miscalculation.
5: Yeah, I, I was, my, my impression was that it, this was not an announcement of, the, of a thing that was going to happen in the future. It was going live, right?
6: Yeah, like, I, yeah. I think that's true in the, in the paperwork's there. Like, you have Perez now saying that, you know, you can't just back out of this, which is pretty ironic, considering that they're they're backing out of agreements <laughs> with their domestic leagues. Uh, but But talking about your relationship to the club, because, you know, you have a relationship to your club through the players. Um, I think like my perspective is you needed that threat in order to get the pressure pressure from the players and from the manager, which hopefully happened internally. Uh, but we don't get to see that. So I'm wondering how the, uh, the events around this have affected your relationship with the club and if they have, and I I figured if I can put this question to a few people, maybe I'll put it to, uh to Addy so we can get like the, the AC Milan perspective.
0: The Italian perspective. Uh,
6: the Italian perspective. Maybe we can put it to the Nick because of FSG and then maybe the other Nick just to uh, balance it out a little bit. I'm curious about, about what you think of this in terms of like North American sports.
2: How has this changed your thoughts on Christian Benteke?
4: yeah so uh as a fan of palace i love this because uh if players start you know uh leaving their the big clubs uh because they don't want to play in the super league or whatever then palace is going to feel the uh the effects of that there's going to be like a little bit of a waterfall where all of a sudden we're going to end up with some world-class players in our laps also probably a world-class manager and if the big six leave the prem then Palace makes Europe. And I've always said that I would love to go on a European tour. I would love to follow the Eagles to, uh, uh, you know, go watch them play in Belgrade. Uh, Me and Vuk getting on the plane together, hopping over to Serbia. That'd be great. That's my dream. Um, But yeah, just in terms of like relating this to North American sports, I mean, it's pretty obvious that, uh, you know, the owners uh, who orchestrated this are mostly American and they come from, you know, they were raised on this North American model where you're a franchise, you have cost certainty, you get a certain amount of revenue, uh, no matter how much you fail, uh, you know, we, we live in a society and a sports society in North America that rewards failure. Uh, we, you know, we grow up with tanking, uh, you know, the, the last place team gets the, the best player and you could be the worst team in the league and there's no threat of relegation and there's no promotion and you're set and you can move these the teams wherever you want. Uh, so it's not shocking for me that they're trying to, um, to, you know, establish this model, uh, in European soccer, but that doesn't make it right. Uh, the best thing about European soccer for me as a fan of primarily North American sports is the promotion is the relegation it's the history. Um, you know, the teams here don't really have, they, they, they do have attachment to the community, but you know, it's not as ingrained as it is, uh, in Europe, right? Like you don't have you know, a city, the city of Toronto has one team in the NHL, whereas London has like 30 soccer teams in the city alone. And they're so, you know, united with the community and and the groups around it. Um, And it's the history and it's the hope that, you know, a team like, like a small team like Palace can potentially maybe at some point climb the ladder and win. And that is, but, and, and it's great when you know, Palace goes to Chelsea and win and gets a result or when they go to Liverpool and get get a result or go to Man U and get a result. And and having that, you know, there's something to strive for is great, right? So with this closed competition, it's just kind of, it it takes the joy out of, and it takes the uniqueness out of football as a game like that. So that's how I would like relate it to North American sports. Well, yeah, just definitely don't want it, it to happen.
6: To, to go over to American owners, uh, Nick Gill, I don't think Liverpool has dropped out yet. How, how would your relationship to Liverpool change if they got into the Super League? And if they do drop out, is that going to change something for you?
3: Uh, yeah, it all depends. Well, uh, we better drop out. And, uh, <laughs> if, if we don't, they, the relationship with John Henry, with the Liverpool fans, we don't hate him, but we just, we want new ownership because their main problem is they don't provide funds for the team. So they've kind of, he's kind of stayed out of it and all this, but um. This is the time now to get this guy out of here. When we do leave the Super League, we gotta we gotta take advantage of this FSG out. It's very it's very important to uh, we gotta get him out. My main problem with this is Jurgen Klopp said he only found out on Sunday. You're, yeah, normally, like if it, uh, the most important guy at the club is is Jurgen Klopp by far, all right. But uh, yeah, FSG John Henry they the, they spend more money on the Red Sox than they do at Liverpool. The um he's, he's just he's just a lying piece of shit. When we when we won the Champions League in 2019, he said we were going to spend and spend and spend. the The only fucking player we bought was Minamino. You cheap fuck. So, uh, but I'm um, just uh, I, I don't like him. But this is but now it, we it's just it went from dislike to pure hatred, and that's every Liverpool fan's view. We don't like him, and uh, it's time for him to fuck off. He bought the club for three hundred million pounds in 2010. Forbes have we? Uh, Forbes have it valued at one point nine billion. So it. Take, take your money, take LeBron James to fuck off all of you back to the States. I was uh, just
4: going to say, I was just going to say, I want to know what LeBron James thinks about this because he just became an official partner of Fenway Sports Group. Of, I think it was last week. He and, increased the state to 7.5%. Yeah, we all know that uh, LeBron James's opinions on uh, global economic issues and uh, issue human, humanitarian issues in other countries that aren't the States really, you know, uh, move the needle in terms of the global discussion so i really want to know what lebron thinks and i'm surprised that he hasn't uh, gone in front of a mic on zoom and uh, said anything yet to be honest Did,
0: especially to I don't, us I don't watch enough like to why in the world didn't lebron james contact the sgc podcast and i know Osaka? we
4: we managed to get ed woodward on the show so lebron <laughs> is the next logical step
7: didn't didn't lebron actually have like some really uh, ill conceived like criticism or or like support of china or something yeah. like that. Yeah. I so guess.
4: that's yeah. So basically when when the it was when it was a few years ago the Rockets, I think it was last year actually, the Rockets and the Nets, I think, went to play a couple of exhibition games in China. And the general manager of the Rockets at the time, Daryl Morey, condemned China for their treatment of of I don't know how to pronounce it, but I the think Uyghurs? It, we, Uyghurs. Yeah. Yeah. Uyghurs. So and then and then they interviewed LeBron and he basically told Daryl Morey to like shut up because <laughs> he has so many economic interests in China and makes so much money from China that, uh, yeah. So everyone is like, and, and it's crazy because LeBron is like at the forefront of like voting rights in the States and stuff. So it's just like how like they're, it's like, you
0: know, you know what Michael Jordan famously said, Republicans buy sneakers too. Uh, LeBron James is saying, they make my sneakers in China, you fuck.
3: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly it's like Pep to please with to uh... too many people that's the thing about lebron He tries to please too many people He's, uh, yeah. it's, like,
7: it's like it's like pep know. with uh qatar right like he'll he'll mm. talk all day about catalonian rights and catalonian independence and stuff like that which is all well and good but he'll be you know completely silent on on workers rights issues in qatar and it just shows like you know ideals only go so far the bottom the bottom line is money for for all these people right
6: Definitely. Let's uh let's just put this to, to Addy real quick and then and then we'll move on to another question. So Addy, does I think you mentioned that Syria odd the situation is a little different in yeah. relation to the Super League?
1: Uh yeah, sure, absolutely. Um just talk on HMON for a bit. Um I think we're we're a legacy team. So ultimately we're just basing our entire uh, reputation on how good we were. Uh it's been a minute since we've been in the Champions League. So usually they're fairly unscathed. Like AC Milan was not mentioned. I think this became uh, a Premier League thing. So the other teams were kind of just off put by what happened in the Premier League. Um, funny enough, the owners, de facto owners of AC Milan or Elliott Management Corporation, which are like a, an American um, oh uh, uh, vulture fund. So they just kind of fund people and then just make profit off uh, the interest. They, they give like exorbitant exorbitant wages. I think they've they're like Argentina was indebted to them a while ago, and they seized like naval vessels because they wouldn't pay them. So they're aggressive. Um, just to like add to the to the whole like American ownership thing, um, everyone from top down is Italian, aside from um, what's his name, the guy from Arsenal. I keep forgetting uh, um, Ivan Ivan Gzidis. Yeah. yeah. Um, but in general, I think Syria is like we have three larger teams. I think I don't know if uh, Agnelli uh, was. I don't know if he resigned or not. The word is, like, they, they won't confirm it. They won't deny it. Um, he was at, like, the forefront of Serie a. I think he was, like, effectively, he was talking about it a year ago where he was complaining about, like, smaller teams not deserving to be in, in, in a prestigious league such as such as Champions League. So it might have blown up in his face as well in general just because he kind of ate his words and he was involved with, uh, with UEFA. Um, I think, I think AC Milan's going to come out fairly unscathed, same with inter, I think we're, uh, we're kind of, we weren't as mentioned as, as, as we're supposed to, we're kind of legacy teams. I think Juventus is probably going to suffer the most ultimately because they're the one they're they're more well-known across the world because of their, the fact that they've won multiple Scudetto's, um, the fact that they've been represented in, in the, in the, CL so long. So they they're probably gonna get most of the flack. Um, i don't foresee anything too uh too big of an issue and ultimately i think fans are centralized around the bigger teams in 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 italy you have diehard fans everywhere but like i said for example in premier league you have like diehard fans who support their teams from like uh from 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 the premier league all the way down to like conference you have fans that fill up these uh like even if if there's if there's there's a thousand seats Fans will fill them up, and they'll always support the same the same team no matter what. You're like Sunderland fans. Sunderland fell way way the hell down. They still show up every day. They still they still bitch and complain when 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 things aren't going their way. They still support their team whenever they can, regardless of like where they are in the classifications. And I, I don't think Italy has that ultimately down to a T. If if like teams fell down the pecking order, certain fans might switch to something else or not follow mm-hmm. them as rigorously as for example, stuff in, in England would say. So I think, I think fans in the backlash was more prominent in England. And that's kind of what made maybe ESL start to fall apart and kind of um, just get destroyed at the seams. That's- yeah, we, we
6: haven't heard of, of the Spanish or Italian teams starting to remove themselves yet. Maybe because partly the, the Premier League, more pressure, but also maybe, uh, you know, they know they have the resources to fall back on. Uh, but speaking of the Premier League, and who better to put this to than Ed Woodward? Um, what's the comparison between like the breakaway league of the ESL and in 1992 when the Prem broke away from the first division and the, uh, the league structure?
7: Yeah, well, I mean, like Vukes talked about it as, you know, it's, it's a continuation of the same trend, but it's also an acceleration of that trend, right? So ultimately the Premier League still had uh, promotion and relegation you know it definitely like increased the the economic rewards at the top of the table and decreased them at the bottom uh which you know you could argue is what allowed you know the clubs to gain this much sort of power and influence to the point that they thought that they could they could break away i mean i still think that those teams need the prem more than the prem needs them which is why they've come crawling back now right along with pressure from fucking bojo who i can't believe i'm on the same side of him issue with although i mean he's a typical populist right like it's not not too surprised that he would he would jump on like a you know pretty easy win here um, yes slam dunk <laughs> exactly like even he couldn't fuck this up
2: yeah whether it's uh, yeah saving football or dollar beers populists know where to you know, where the wind's blowing
6: yeah honestly i was thinking of these guys like fucking running their own project in the ground like this and just so it feels really similar to doug ford <laughs> like i'm just like just thing, competent executive who can't do anything and he's thinking... got these dumb base ideas to appeal to people like it's the same thing as buck a beer when he's thought oh yeah. I'll, I'll offer Which buck thing? a beer everyone will love it and then everyone's like no it's a fucking stupid idea
2: no one cares he about couldn't even buck do, do it properly
6: too <laughs> yeah exactly like the esl Which is also, I totally forgot about it. Like Vuk and I were talking with our friend Alan last night and Alan was like, English is a second language. And we're like, yeah, yeah. What the hell? This is bad branding. (laughs) (laughs) That acronym is
7: taken. No wonder Bruno said uh, dreams cannot be (laughs) by. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Adian, to extend on your question about the question about your beard. Uh, So does larger revenue justify clubs trying to extend their reach uh, in the league, in Europe and against FIFA? Like, do they have a right to try and try and gain even more and more than they can just based on their, uh, based on their current position? Like what obligation, why, why should their obligation be to the league and not to themselves first?
1: Um. So we're talking like purely financially, right? Sure. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so the way I understood it is like I think J.P. Morgan was financing the whole thing, but like ESL. Um, so these teams, I think COVID did mess everything up. Ultimately, I think like revenue from fans was is a big part of a lot of um, a lot of teams, which is is, is a, a noticeable a noticeable loss. Um, you have like probably I assume TV rights. Um, I don't know if they're coming in as the same as much. I know the zone is is changing things up as well. I don't know what their 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 their, their revenue deals are. Um, I know they're coming in hot, so I don't know what the actual revenue deals are right now. I know, for example, in like in like in La Liga, there's a huge disparity with like I think Real Barcelona and and Atletico having like the largest amount by far, almost double of of the next teams coming up. Um, I think Premier League as as has a more um, uh, a, a more well-placed, I think, uh, revenue stream, which is the downside is players are more expensive because they know all the teams can afford, can kind of have this revenue as well. So it's like, it's, 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 it's negative on both ends. That's why a lot of like Premier League players go for quite a lot more than they should within the Prem as well. That's why I found because of the fact that you have money, it kind of works the same way. Serie A is similar. I know, I know you in terms of just like TV rights, I know it's tiered, Um, maybe not as well tiered as maybe the prem, uh, there's a bit of difference, but not, not huge amounts. Um, I think they're fairly well-tiered as well. Um, if we are looking at like finances, I think what happens is with like debt, I didn't look at it too, too thoroughly. Um, a lot of teams have short debt. So like short-term debt is a bit more difficult to pay off. So if you have like a, you know, a credit line of a million, let's say, um, a credit line usually lasts a short term, like 12 to 36 months. If you're looking at something kind of short term, and then you have like long term, long term debt, so um, which could be anywhere from five years to twenty five to thirty, whatever. Think of it in, in a way as like a credit line. You borrow a thousand. You're you're expected to pay interest on that immediately as you borrow it. Whereas a mortgage, you're still paying, but you're staying. You're paying a monthly fee with which is like spread out for thirty years. Now on on a balance sheet, effectively, the way this looks is these these uh, these teams are kind of uh, using this financing because i think it was financing it wasn't free money with the hope that you know they get money from broadcasting rights being that they're these big huge uh these big huge teams they probably grab quite a bit of funding through like tv rights and 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 any any form of franchising you know having big stars that whole thing um which would so they would use that that financing from jp morgan to kind of pay off that short-term debt and place it as long-term debt on a balance sheet while their assets and liabilities would remain the same, it would ultimately look slightly better because the team would be like, all right, the team has no short-term debt. So they're they're fairly liquid in that sense. However, long-term debt may have increased, but long-term debt is more acceptable to anyone looking at balance sheets and, and, and their financial statements. It's just, it's just more acceptable because it's 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 a gen, it's, it's, it generally happens where companies invest in you know any form of property, any form of, of long-term investment. It's fairly st- traditional and and make sense. Whereas short-term debt kind of suffers, there's issues with liquidity because like, all right, cool. You need to pay that short-term debt fairly soon. You might not have enough funds in the, in like the coffers or um, wherever wherever bank you're, you're holding your funds in. So that's, that's kind of an issue with liquidity concern. With, with them shifting their funds long-term, it makes more sense for them to kind of look better and have a bit more time to maybe grab in some revenue through the ESL and kind of make themselves look better. And ultimately what this does is next year, I think a lot of owners will probably pay themselves dividends or whoever is the, the, um, the shareholder because it makes more sense. So their earnings are actually going to be um, more logical. It's like, so their earnings are, are actually going to be kind of similar to pre-COVID era. So they can justify getting a dividends because they, they look like they're, they're actually earning a lot more than, 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 than they might actually in reality be worth it. And I think Richard mentioned that it also looks better if you're trying to sell the team as well. Um, it makes more sense on on long term. If someone's trying to buy, it's more acceptable again to so, to to look at long term debt rather than short term debt. So that's or, kind or of just, just value
7: like, the team overall, right? Even yeah, for stock yeah. as well. That's why the stock yeah. shot up because it's all of a sudden they went, you know, the the risk dropped exponentially. If you know, if it yes, was yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. And
7: that- if if I can comment on on that question as well, like, um, I mean, I, I like, I agree one hundred percent with everything Adian said. Like, that's you know, it, it's. That's like accounting facts, right? Like you can't really argue with that. I don't think most people would argue with that. I think the argument that you would make is that, uh, you know, and I'd say like, you know, these they were acting, they they were in the right in the sense of, you know, these are corporations they were acting what they thought were the fiduciary interests of their companies to make more money. That's ultimately what a corporation is supposed to do. And that's what they were trying to do. I mean, anyone with half a fucking brain knew that this would never fucking work. And, you know, that's why Woodward's (laughs) resigning not out of shame or public service or anything like that, but, you know, cause he ultimately failed in his fiduciary duty to the company to some degree. But I think the real question should be not, you know, were they acting appropriately? Are they greedy? Like, Yes, they're supposed to be greedy by definition. That's what a corporation is supposed to be, right? The question here is like, is there a public good that should be protected through other means, right? You can't leave uh, a, the profit motive to ensure that a public good is protected right so if you believe that these teams for the value that they bring to their local communities and the fact that they've been historical institutions provide a public good then you need a regulator to step in and ensure that shit like this doesn't fucking happen right and that's why you know i'm i'm hoping that there's you know some proper government regulation uh coming into this i'm hoping that you know england will move to the 50 plus one model that germany has um i don't know if that'll necessarily happen but if it's going to happen this is you know It's going to happen now or it's never going to happen.
3: You know, the German model, is is that the only country that implements that? Or is there another? Or what about Italy? What about Spain?
0: The the Canadian Canadian Premier League.
3: Does it actually? Yeah. Really?
4: Yeah. Yeah. That's nice. Can can someone quickly explain the
3: 50 plus one? It's 51% of uh, fans, right, that own the club. So you can't have foreign ownership uh, more than 400%.
5: You, yeah, you can't have a private owner have a controlling stake in the club, essentially. Doesn't RB
0: Leipzig know, yeah, they, somehow breach that?
2: Okay. Um, they, they, like, put the Red Bull employees as the only shareholder. They were technically the fans or something. I don't know exactly how it worked. Yeah, they they're, were in the second
3: division, though, weren't they? Doesn't that only apply to yeah. Bundesliga teams, or is
5: it they found a loophole? So they're, they're, no, there, are two, a loophole. there are two kind of exceptions. So the first is, like, the historical exception for like, uh, um, because some of the, some of the teams in the Bundesliga are company teams, historically, like Wolfsburg, like, uh, Wolfsburg yeah. and uh, Bayer Leverkusen, they're, they are company teams. So I think their, their ownership of their clubs has sort of just been like grandfathered in. And then I think something similar happened with the guy who owned who owns Hoffenheim, owned it for so long, they, they kind of just like grandfathered him in too. And then the other workaround is the Leipzig model which is uh yeah the the uh the members of the club control you know all the votes but Red Bull employees and they don't allow anyone else in so I, I think there's some like laughably small amount of you yeah. uh,
7: know you know what that reminds me of and I know like Nick and Hope are probably going to roll their eyes but like there's uh, you know it's like company towns back in the day right and there's even now today there's talk about uh, allowing certain companies in the United States to essentially control a municipality if they have you know all their employees there and like giving employees essentially like voting rights as if it were uh, like a, a, a form of like municipal government and so it's like there's an interesting parallel there to be made as well.
2: LL Bean hmm. basically controls uh, was it Freeport Maine or something I can't remember They've made great, great bags though. Connie, you look like a
7: discount David Foster Wallace.
2: <laughs> I don't think,
4: I don't think we're taking video from this Conlin. So, so in this chat on this episode, we have lawyers, we have accountants, we have business owners, we have whatever I do, uh, whatever Hope a does. <laughs> I've known Hope a for, like, I've, I have no idea what he does. Whatever Adrian does. We have a whole bunch of different, uh, different industries represented, but, uh, <laughs> Let's all put our, we, you know, we
0: work in the same building
4: next.
6: <laughs> I think true, Colin and I represent like welfare. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, all right. So, you guys you guys are our
4: government uh, reps. Yeah. We're government hat. employees. Uh, so, okay. So, so, let's take all of that. But, check
2: uh, every uh, couple of weeks.
4: Let's put on our commissioner hats and just talk about, you know, kind of how we got here. How did this happen? You know, what exactly led to this idea that these teams could just be bigger than the game and form their own league? And then on top of that, uh, Richard was kind of mentioning this briefly earlier, but, you know, maybe we could kind of talk about what exactly needs to happen so that this doesn't happen again and so that these teams do feel included because clearly there was something that irked them so much that they felt like they had to leave. Um, So I don't know whoever... uh, wants to take a stab at this first but basically it's how do we stop this from happening again and before that how did we even get to this point uh Uh, if i I can sorry i'll
6: be i'll be really short like like just the way we formulated that question because the three like me you and hope a nick sort of like like worked on these questions a little bit i I don't like where we landed on that because it's very kind to them saying like oh they felt excluded like it's not that they felt excluded. It's that they weren't being like, like catered to, and they thought they had a right to because of the, the revenue and, and everything that brought in. But and they, how that would, mm-hmm.
5: they are being catered to.
6: Yeah. But that's but, the thing. Like that wasn't even enough.
7: Yeah, exactly.
6: Uh, like, they don't understand
7: but, the carrot. They need the stick beat them down.
6: But like Bye, Vuk, I know, boys, I remember Vuk, you pointed out that like the very like the same day pretty much like they pushed through the Swiss league in the Champions League.
5: Yeah, and UEFA hasn't walked that back. You, like UEFA's just sticking with that reform even though the whole purpose of that reform was to prevent the Super League from happening.
4: So what really needs to happen then? Like what what is the main thing? What are the main whether it's you know the pyramid structure or the Champions League European competition, what has to happen for this to not happen? Because it feels like it's well, pretty. you got to pay
3: the bigger well, clubs more money. They want a bigger slice of the pie. Well, this is going to happen again. You've got to satisfy the Big Ten. I'd say fuck Tottenham and Arsenal. They're not. No, it's not but... a Big 10 let Let's be honest. It's a Big Ten. I don't. I don't think that's
5: a solution though, because that that's just feeding into the problem more, right?
3: Money shows okay, everything, Vuk. Money chose everything. If,
5: if, if, we, <laughs> if we, if we like to go to the first part of the question, like I would just echo what Richard said earlier. I mean, look, if you, if you have a, a like a business ontology, then yeah, like the, the super league makes perfect sense. Uh, it would be ridiculous not to do something like that. Right. And so the question is uh, do, do we want uh, football to be run and administered and understood as a commercial business? Right, and I think that the the only the only sort of out that I see here is to try and change that.
2: I mean, yeah, it' like a lot of these owners, they should know. Like, if if you want to make a ton of money, buying a soccer team is not the best way to do it. It's never been like it's never been the best way. We get all these super rich owners, but like Abramovich, the UAE, Qatar, they're buying it as either like vanity projects or image rehab for countries. It's not about then they're pouring tons of money into it to get all this prestige. They're not making tons of money. It's an American business mindset of like, okay, how can we maximize the profit on this? But no, we're just losing money. We're in debt. It's like they didn't really know what they were signing up for. So I don't know how you can well, like change people's mindsets in that way. I mean, I suspect
7: that they, you know, like, uh... You know, in the, the benefit of hindsight, I find it hard to believe that they didn't know what they're signing up for in the sense that they always must have had this idea that if we turn it into a closed system, we can guarantee profits. Like, and if you think about it that way, you know, what yeah. would what Nick say, like 300 million for Liverpool? What a fucking bargain if you genuinely thought that you could pull off a Super League at some point. Right. Yeah, like, look cool. at how, how valued yeah. a, an, NBA teams, NFL teams, MLB teams are. Compared to that three hundred million. Yeah.
2: Or even yeah, now if 20, they sell 20, it, they're gonna make a have huge problems. amount.
3: We had problems with the American owners before these Americans came in with uh, yeah. Hicks and Delay. Um, these guys are fucking idiots. No wonder Rafa left. So uh, yeah, just uh, never sell to Americans.
7: No offense, Colin. Sorry.
2: Yeah, none taken.
7: Funny, <laughs> yeah, but never I mean too. Look
5: you. at look at Mike Ashley though, right? Like I I think that the the sort of the foreign ownership aspect only explains part of the problem.
7: Yeah, I agree. It's like, it's very fun to like make fun of Americans, especially because Conlon is one uh, (laughs) sort of, Um, but yeah, it's, it's not, it's not, it's not a nationality thing. It's not a foreign owner thing even right. It's, it's not, it's, it's the fundamental way that these clubs are structured. and, And as Vuk said, like how they're, understood at an ontological level, right. Versus like, as a business versus as something that provides to some degree, a public good, which should be protected, which I think is obviously debatable when you're talking about soccer. It doesn't really necessarily fit right into that definition as we would usually understand it. But I think that there is like an intangible sort of uh, like public benefit that, th- that uh, these teams represent. And, you know, that's ultimately where they started and where they came from you know, and I think the only solution to prevent this happening again is the Premier League has to clamp down and that probably has to also come back with some government oversight. I mean, like, you know, Britain and I think Canada, we have a minister of sport, right? Like that, that's, this seems like something that they should very clearly be involved with, right?
3: Do we? I don't even know that minister of sport. (laughs) It's, I mean, you know, the,
5: you know the, the the history of the last what 100 200 years is just the history of of capital taking over everything right and mm-hmm. uh, expanding into every sphere of life and it's no different uh, here right like the, yeah there's a minister of sport that's great but it's it's that austerity mindset of of yeah you know the minister shouldn't be involved let let things work themselves out um yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not optimistic at all that yeah, that,
7: that any of uh, this can change. And I it,
2: think. Sorry,
7: go, go ahead. I, oh, well, I was, okay, I was just going to say, if it can change, it'll. It has to change now because I don't think that I've ever seen so much like public support across you know so many different aspects of society, from fans to you know players to the fucking royal family's commenting on this uh, like <laughs> bojo's commenting on this right like i've never seen such a groundswell support for fucking yeah. anything
5: I, I think i th- i think you're right and that's why uh yesterday i was optimistic when this was still going ahead because i think if if you kicked these clubs out of their leagues i think there there would be a chance of actually achieving something
6: so let's, let's maybe put a pin in this like there, uh, because there's not really a great place to stop. Uh, and who knows in 12 hours, everything could change again, based on how it's been going so far. Um, but we got to wrap up and usually we wrap up with uh, a series of random predictions, uh, we wanted to give more time to this discussion. Uh, so, so we are going to forego that, uh, but we do have one random prediction or, or very relevant prediction, uh, <laughs> So we'll go around and you can say, whether or not you think a Super League in this or a similar format will go ahead or not. And if you say yes, give us a, a year, give us a date. Uh, so let's let's uh, start with Ed Woodward. Uh, you resigned, uh, but now you've got a chance to uh, <laughs> at least gain some, I don't know, honor or prestige with by calling your shot. So what do you think? Is it gonna go ahead?
7: It's not going to go ahead this time. It might go ahead in the future if there's not serious changes made to, to oversight of how these clubs are run in England and, and abroad. And I mean, I could even see a Super League on the continent, maybe, you know, to counterbalance the, the influence of the Premier League. Um, but this one is fucking dead in the water. Uh, and I think there, I, I'm optimistic that there'll be some meaningful change. At least, you know, not full full revolution, but a little bit of Good technocratic liberal reform to stave off the stave off the guillotine for a bit longer.
6: So let's narrow this down, just because you know, for the sake of it, let's get some like just kind of lighthearted, relatively predictions. Yeah, um, no, no, it's uh, in the next ten years, in the next ten years. So by by uh, twenty thirty one, is there going to be a European Super League?
3: No, no, no chance. You know why? Because FIFA, UEFA, the heads of each country, the FAs. They're all siding together. So you. I don't think you can beat them. And the only way you beat them is in a courtroom. And it's going to be too many legal fees. It's not going to happen. Not mm-hmm. going to happen. I don't see
0: it. 2031, but. when the EPL is a salary-capped league, and going over the cap just results in luxury tax payments to the Premier League, NBA style, okay. and the broadcast agreement is 60-40 between each domestic league and the Super League, we're going to have our Super League
3: salary cap eh
0: <laughs> how, else okay. do you, how else can you depower the purchasing power of these, of these top six clubs but by giving them a salary cap
6: okay so we have, we have a, a, a dystopic prediction from Hope we got a no from Nick I think it was a no in the next 10 years from Richard Conlon was also a no so let's just finish Although, up with, yeah.
2: oh, sorry just real quick I, will, I think the Champions League will become more uneven and closed off or more easier paths for the bigger teams to make mm-hmm. sure they're in it.
6: Yeah. Fair. And there's also going to be the, the, um, the wild card <laughs> where you're going to get in. If you're the highest ranked team that didn't get in, or you're basically yeah. from one of the it's, top it's leagues. Like anyway. just
2: cherry picking these stats, like, Oh, like the, I can't remember the exact one. So you'll have to correct me, Richard, but like the second highest, like truss roof on a stadium in Europe or something for St. James park.
7: It's Sorry. the can't... second-highest cantilever structure in all of Europe, not
2: just stadium. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. What do you think, Adi? Um,
1: if I'm being honest, I think I think what's going to happen is I don't think it's going to be funded by anyone else. I think this is going to open discussions between UEFA and larger teams, and I think we'll possibly see a shift in either creating a new – like think something similar to the Champions League, the Champions League advancing, or something changing the structure of the Champions League in the next 10 years for sure. But I, I don't think it's gonna be individually funded. I think there's gonna be a discussion with UEFA and the teams and there's gonna be some 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 form of structural change, uh, which I think needs to come. Um, I don't know if it's still gonna be called Champions League or if it's gonna change its name. I know Champions League has been around since the 1950s. I think change is inevitable. Um, but I don't think it's gonna be self-funded. I think this was a power move and I think they have to sit down at the table again and, and rediscuss any form of structural change to appease to both sides. Um, so I think there will be a change. I don't think it's gonna be self-funded. Um, that's how I see it at least.
6: So kind of a, kind of a no, but soft yes. Yeah. <laughs> effective, kind of like common, both saying effective. Uh, Vuk, what do you think? Do you think in the next 10 years, are you that pessimistic?
5: Uh, Yes. I I think in the next 10 years, (laughs) there's something like this Super League will exist, or, and I I guess maybe I'd say this is likelier, um, I I guess sort of like what Adian is saying, uh, I I think the the existing competitions, the domestic leagues, and especially the Champions League, are going to look more like the Super League. Mm. Because, um, yeah, I, I just think we're we're so trapped in the logic of capital that I, I think it's impossible to, uh, like, like Richard, you, you threw out that classic uh, Zizek quote the other day, it's easier to imagine the end of, wor- end of the world than it is to imagine the end of capitalism, which I think holds true. Like, I think we're just so uh, trapped in this worldview that I, like, it's impossible to imagine another way to structure the game. Like I'd love for there to be another way, but it's it's almost like I, I can't even see it, uh, and and so I think it's it becomes very difficult in that context to argue against, or not even to argue against, but to um, actively resist the kind of changes that uh, this super league uh, I think is is heralding. So, so yeah, I'm very pessimistic. I think that things are going to get worse and worse. I mean, that's this. This is this prediction's a layup. Like, look at look at what's happening to the Champions League in, in what is it 2024? Mm. Is that when the Swiss system goes live? I think so. Yeah. Like, I mean, so it's it's already it's already happening, right? I mean, uh, yeah. So.
6: I mean, that's true too. I didn't like when you think about it. The whole point of that is that you have a league that that plays midweek instead. So. Yeah, they, they are already pushing for that structure, and, and presumably it's going to push on further unless there's uh,
4: something specific done. I'm going to say yes, uh, a resounding yes. Within five, ten years, there's definitely going to be a Super League. Uh, these clubs announced their intention. Uh, they announced what they were going to do. They, they put all their eggs in this basket uh, for a marriage that was shorter-lived than Chris Humphreys and Kim Kardashian um and they and and you know it's it's out in the open now it's out in the open now they all these teams real madrid barcelona man you liverpool uh those italian teams Juve, Inter with the dumbass logo uh they don't care about tradition they don't care about the fans and but i think the league is going to be a bit different there's going to be some big teams in there but then they're going to have a new york team they're going to have a tokyo team a team in saudi in qatar probably moscow Maybe in Brazil, and they're just gonna do. It's gonna be a worldwide thing, kind of like an ICC or a Club World Cup, and it's just gonna be a money grab. And I don't know why they had to do it this way and not just keep it to like the preseason stuff they had. But uh, anyway, so as uh, the leader of our predictions table, I can. uh, uh, You guys all should take my word for it that uh, uh, there is going to be a uh, super league uh, within ten years. So, Adrian. Now, uh, in the interest of time, uh, now you can, uh, uh, you know, usher usher everybody out without anyway. All right. Yeah, I'll
6: usher <laughs> everyone out. I'll also point out that I didn't make a prediction, uh, and I'm not going to because I'm, I'm. Why not? Kind of you have to. Everyone has to. What are you talking about? <laughs> because you wouldn't even you wouldn't even have known. Okay. Uh, uh, I, I I think I think that there will be like a more of a push in like continental league uh, that is is excluding the british clubs at first and then the british clubs will jump on and maybe that happens behind the scenes so it's impossible to falsify my prediction uh <laughs> and uh and we'll leave it at that so thank you again for listening uh we appreciate that you're taking the time to put up with us <laughs> and find us on apple apple podcast google play spotify podbean wherever else uh, nick has put us i don't really know I don't muddy my hands with that kind of detail. <laughs> <laughs> That's up to him. Uh, with his dirty, dirty hands, he's gonna put those in your ears. <laughs> uh, Nick said, "Do a clean one," but I, oh, it's just I want to keep it muddy. Uh, <laughs> so uh, don't clean behind your ears, or we're not gonna be able to get in there. Nick, you do
4: the outro if you want. To. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, fuck the Super League. And see you next time.
0: Fuck Derek Philbin.